JR. Good morning, Doug. Good to see you this Monday morning. You too, man. How is your uh, how's your summer going so far? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. So far it um my kids being home is always super fun and super challenging as <laughs> uh, a 14-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl sometimes don't always get along. Uh, but for the most part everyone's still alive and safe and I'm grateful for that. That's great. That's great. You know, um I don't know if you remember uh back in Episode four, when we had John Hand on from Canada, uh, we mentioned at the beginning about this gumball machine, right? We were doing this episode of like stuff around JR's office. Oh, yes. And uh, so the gumball machine, you, we talked about it and what that meant. And you looked over and you said, and it's empty. And we had a good laugh about that. Hopefully that's not an omen. Well, what's <laughs> interesting is uh, I meant to mention this earlier, but about a week later, I got an anonymous gift. A box showed up from Amazon and inside of it was a big a bag of gumballs. So I don't know if that's, I'm assuming it's some, one of our listeners. And so if that was you, whoever you are out there, like, thank you for sending me gumballs, which was <laughs> such a gift. I was running low on gumballs. It's good to have those. And uh, and then in addition to that, for my birthday uh, last month, my mother-in-law gave me a bag of gumballs. And so now it's not quite at the top. And and I admit I've eaten a lot of them since I got them. So they're even lower now. But, um, but anyway, it's good to sort of have the metaphor now, like back working again rather than an empty gumball machine. But thank you to whomever uh, out there uh, listening uh, sent me a package of gumballs. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I love the humor in that too. It's because I think what was funny is you sent me a text message. We're like, hey man, thanks so much for the gumballs. I was That's like, right. You're like, uh, uh, what? Okay. I assumed yeah. it was you, <laughs> it was, uh, but it was not. It, it was, was not at it all. It was not. I also noticed a jar of peanuts behind you that someone like... <laughs> feel like gum was not a healthy option. So they sent nope. you a jar of peanuts. That's just staving away the hunger pangs when I work through lunch. That's all. There's no spiritual metaphor whatsoever. Just, just some peanuts to chew on. So, uh, but speaking of humor, you know, one of the things that you and I love is this website that I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of called the Babylon Bee. Oh yes. And, uh, oh my gosh, there are so many times, even a friend of mine, who's a professor, um, uh, it, he and I just, don't send anything but the the link and we just laugh back and forth via texting and uh but some of my favorites i mean i've just come across two that are just fantastic so the first one uh which we've talked about on the show uh actually before is the the heading the headline was pastor still not sure how he landed this sweet <laughs> job when he only has to work an hour a week <laughs> and some of that i laugh at doug but i also kind of cringe because yeah. there's a lot of people that actually think that's true like oh, what do you do the other six and a half days of the week man yeah. you know yeah i mean we all work on our golf swing and our you know <laughs> tennis and the country club that we're the, bored out of our yeah. minds right yeah nothing else to do <laughs> so but i mean that one makes me laugh laugh and it makes me cringe. But the one that I read maybe two weeks ago that I just was howling uh, was uh, man's baptism overturned after instant <laughs> replay reveals he is not fully submerged. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whoever comes up with this stuff, these Babylon B folks are just they hilarious. Are. Do you have, do you have any that, uh, uh, well, that you yeah, <laughs> so. I, I think because uh, there's a lot of my, uh, okay, so disclaimer, I, I re actually no disclaimer. This one I read a few days ago just cracked me up and it was the new version of Operation just has players use essential oils instead of performing a medical procedure. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, that is like awesome. It doesn't really relate to ministry though. Well, uh, it, <laughs> but, it's still but it funny. does, it does, because I feel like I have to be up on what 
what uh, essential oils cure what things at this point in time. Uh, actually, it has nothing to do with that. No, I there, there was one that I saw. Oh, gosh, where where is it? I write these things down as well. Oh, this was good. Pastor silently judges congregants who left their Bibles at church all week. <laughs> Dude, funny story. And this is actually a confession. Um, there was like, I, I was really poor when I, I mean, most pastors make a lot of money, but I didn't make a lot of money when I first started. And so I really like wanted a new Bible and I went to the loss and found, and I found this awesome Bible. Oh no, you didn't. Oh, I did. And I took this Bible and I used it for like four years. And it was this guy's name never seen before in my life. And I was part of a bigger church. And so I would like wrote all over this thing. Well, one day, I don't know if maybe your church has this or not, but they, they were passing the greeter, the greeter card down or like, you know, where you sign in. And so it comes to me and I look at the name on it and I'm like, the name looks really familiar. And I sign my name, pass it down. And I, uh, I realize I'm using this dude's Bible and he's sitting in and your he's row. And he's sitting in my row. <laughs> so I gave it to him. I was like, hey, sir, this is your Bible. I was like, oh, I was looking for that. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, he goes, I was looking for that. I can't remember where I put it. I said, well, I've been using it for the last five oh, years. Oh, you admitted yeah. to it. I was like, all those notes are free. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> but it's one of those moments of like, holy crap. Uh, so yeah, that that's why that headline makes me laugh. Well, actually, it's funny you say this because I was talking with your mom about that after church several years ago. And I picked up a few Bibles and it didn't have a name in it. And she's like, you know what I do when I pick up a Bible and someone's name is in it? She's like, I, I donate it to Goodwill. Oh man. And I, and so she, I, through that conversation, I developed another mantra and it's the cardinal sin of Bible ownership is not writing your name in it mm. the moment you get it. That's right. You don't write your name in a Bible, man. You don't deserve to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that isn't very graceful. But nonetheless, if you're missing a Bible and your name isn't in it, check Goodwill. Yeah. Or if there is in it, check Doug. Check <laughs> uh, wait, hold on, hold on. One more. This one's really good. Pastor confronts local mother for sending her children to another church's VBS. <laughs> <laughs> who comes up with these this is I, dude, great we so, should we should have them on the show like we just need to what? be like hey that's a great idea we need to get that is somebody. a fantastic idea we need to get the, i think there are three or four of them who are the founders we need to get the babylon b guys on here that would be great now some people would find that to be a little too i don't know like cynical or sarcastic or judgmental and i don't know what you feel about it doug but i just feel like it's so important for us in such a high pressure, high stakes, eternally significant role that we've been called to, to make sure we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yes. This helps me laugh. I don't know. It just, even this morning, it just feels good to have some gut laughs. Absolutely. Uh, here. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to ever take ourselves too seriously. And I have a tendency to do that. Enneagram one, perfection. And so I just need, it's almost, I'm going to say it's a spiritual practice, but it's a good practice for me to log on to Babylon B from time to time to just get some laughs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the importance of it too is even realizing that some of these things that they're hitting on are funny because they're also true. Yeah. Like we laugh and also groan. It's like, ooh, yeah. at the that same was directed time. at my beard. Thank you. It's like, but I, I call it like a prophetic poke. That yeah. There are times where humor is good just to laugh and not take ourselves too seriously, but also to go, ooh, yeah. Like from, from the outside, sometimes what we do looks really weird. Yeah. And so we just need to be aware of that, that we don't just get so isolated and comfortable in our little cocooned world 
to just say, you know, yeah, maybe that's not as great as we think it is. And uh, so anyway, log on to Babylon B. We won't put that in the show notes, but we just, that's just, we'll throw that out there. Check out BabylonB.com. Our guest this morning is Pastor Sid Holzclaw. Uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Sid for quite some time. Uh, I met her first at an Ecclesia National Gathering. Uh, my wife and I were brand new, and she sat down just to get to know the two of us over dinner one evening, and we just fell in love with her right away. Um, we're really excited to have her on the show. She wears some really unique hats. Uh, she's a pastor. Uh, she co-pastors with her husband uh, at a church in Grand Rapids called Vineyard North. And she is also a life and ministry coach and spiritual director, um, both independently and with the Ecclesia Network, Gravity Leadership, and our home for the Monday Morning Pastor, Kairos Partnerships. Um, She is such a amazing person, the way that she thinks about the church, the way that she thinks about people, spiritual formation and development. And uh, we're excited to have a conversation today around spiritual direction. Um, We know a lot of you have asked about that, and there seems to be a buzz within a lot of our circles around it. And so we're grateful to have her on. And so please welcome our friend, Sid Holzclaw. Well, Sid, it's great to have you on here. Uh, I know Doug and I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while, so thanks for joining us. Talk to us a little about spiritual direction. You are a spiritual director. You, we, I think listeners maybe have heard the term, maybe they know somebody that does spiritual direction, but there's a lot of confusion around it. So can you talk about what is spiritual direction and what is it not? And then we'll dive in a little bit deeper there. Sure. Well, I would say, first of all, what spiritual direction is not is a spiritual director is not some kind of mountaintop guru who's going to give you a formula for, you know, your life. And they're not the one who's going to answer all of your questions about God. And, you know, that's not what a spiritual director is. Um, The direction really comes from the Holy Spirit and the spiritual director's role is to be present to God and be present to you and try to facilitate the connection between you and God in such a way that the Holy Spirit is the one who is directing you. Um, And when I do spiritual direction, I think, you know, it's really about my presence to the direct, to the person I'm directing should mirror God's presence to that person. So, you know, not being, um, I don't have an agenda. I don't have a plan or a project. Um, but I'm fully focused on the other person saying like, I am here for you. Um, and so seeing and hearing and trying to understand and, and being glad to be with the person, all of that is involved in spiritual direction as well. Um, and just trying to continue to facilitate conversation between the person and God and, and try to deepen connection, building joy gratitude in that relationship. So one of the biggest difference with spiritual direction and coaching then would be that coaching is usually a forward motion. There's always going to be action. There's always going to be intention and, and focus at the end of a coaching session. It's okay. And now what, what comes next? 
Um, whereas spiritual direction is more present oriented and like, what is your experience of God in the present and how can you receive what God wants to give to you right now mm. in this time, in this place? And so you may not have any action steps when you leave spiritual direction, but hopefully when you leave spiritual direction, you have a richer, fuller sense of God present with you right here, right now. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's really the main thrust that I see of spiritual direction is, especially as pastors. I mean, you're always so focused on other people's spiritual lives that just having someone sit with you and be focused on your spiritual life, asking you the questions about your spiritual life without any expectation that you're going to ask questions back or that it's going to, you know, there's no, there's no 50, 50, or there's no, like you as the person who come for direction have no obligation to me whatsoever. I am there to focus on you and your spiritual life with God. And you don't have any responsibility to me. Like you don't have to do it. You don't have to take care of me. You don't, it's, and I think that that is so liberating and freeing for a pastor to be able to be honest about where you're actually at not where you think you're supposed to be at or where the people that you're ministering to expect you to be at. Um, but just where are you really? Because Jesus meets us in reality. So when we are able to be present where we really are and let someone else be present there with us, then, you know, God meets us where we actually are, mm. not where mm. we wish we were. <laughs> mm. Mm. If that That's- makes any sense. No, that... <clears throat> I feel like that makes a ton of sense. And I, I really appreciate the way that that you framed that because my, my sense is a lot, I, I, from my own personal experience, <clears throat> I feel like there are spaces where I'm still learning it's okay to be present to where I really am. And it's almost like you feel this pressure to be who you're supposed to be and not who you actually are in that moment. And so, yeah, I mean, as someone who's been doing spiritual direction for for some time, uh, is there like a normal trajectory that you've noticed people, kind of, pastors go through as they start to kind of where they end up? Like almost as like a training plan kind of, uh, I feel like, I feel like for me, I'm still so new in it that I'm still kind of in this interesting space of recognizing that. Um, God really wants to spend time with me. Like he really is present to me. It, it's, it's bizarre. I, I, I can believe that for so many other people, but I struggle. I've been struggling to believe that for myself. And my sense is it's this beautiful invitation that the Lord wants me to, to just be in that space with him. And so it's like, I feel like I'm kind of, um, maybe parsing out, uh, this idea of, I don't work for God. Um, but I work, I work with God. And so, yeah, but just thinking about pastors who may be hearing about this and wondering, man, that sounds like so freeing to me. What would be something that you would encourage them in just, um, you know, like, is it hard at first? Um, like what's a normal trajectory for someone or if there is such a thing? Well, I mean, there's no normal trajectory, of course, because we're all different and <laughs> God course. interacts with us all in different ways. I mean, I think there are some common patterns. I haven't been doing spiritual direction for a really long time. Um, but I think that, you know, at first, especially for a pastor, there's a guardedness and a sense of like, can I really be honest? Because mm. there is another person in the room, right? Mm. And the other person in the room is supposedly spiritually mature or at least spiritually aware, right? So then I think 
performance can kick in. Um, I know even for me, when I first started receiving spiritual direction, it was like, it takes a while to really trust and to really believe that you're not going to be judged or condemned or criticized if you're really honest about, I, you know, like in the last month I have not experienced God with me. Like, I mean, that's such a vulnerable place for a pastor to be like, here you are the spiritual leader of your community. And if you're having a dry spell yourself, and if you're in a place where like, I'm not, I'm not really connecting with God right now. I don't really feel like he's present to me. I don't really know what's going on. That is such a hard thing to say out loud. And especially if there's any sense of like, does this disqualify me from ministry? I think those kinds of questions are just so hard to be honest about and to ask out loud. Mm. And so it takes time to develop safety, I think, with a spiritual director, especially for a pastor to be able to, I mean, I think pastors need spiritual direction more than just about anybody, probably, because of that, like, because there needs to be a place where a pastor can be brutally honest about their experience of God or lack of it and know that the person that they're sharing that with is not going to judge or criticize or be disappointed or leave your church. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just having that space. um, But once you can, like, I think once there's safety there and once the trust is there, then I think that, then it can become a place where pastors can ask the questions and speak the things out loud that maybe they've never had a place to do that before. And then I think that can probably cause some crisis of Mm. I'm actually allowing myself to talk about things and think about things and wonder about things that maybe I haven't allowed myself to wonder and think about. Um, And so the crisis can be there maybe before the, you know, the, Oh, now we're actually, um, moving into somewhere good, but, and there's resistance. I think, um, there's a great book called, um, the critical journey and it's about stages of faith. It's, a uh, Janet O. Hagberg and you know, you're nodding your head. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Janet Hagberg. And I'm forgetting the, uh, her co-author. But, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to the co it's uh, Robert. We'll put it in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. yeah. We can put that, that resource in the show notes. Um, but so, you know, so there's, there's some common experiences in the stages of faith where, and I think a lot of the, like there's the wall, which is sort of yeah. the, you know, everything has been going well and, and life has been good and faith has made sense and working for God has been productive and rewarding and satisfying. And then the wall is sort of the moment where like things are starting to be like, huh, this whole working for God thing is not feeling like what it's supposed to be, or I'm feeling um, dissatisfied or I'm missing God, or I don't know what's going on. And so spiritual direction, I think is especially important when you're, when you're in that sort of wall experience and the wall can last for a really long time, you know, and, and Mm. to have somebody who can walk with you and be present with you when you're in the space of, I feel like I just want to give up. I feel like I don't want to do this anymore. Um, To have somebody with you in that, and sort of having holding faith on your behalf saying i believe that there's going to come a day when you come through this and i believe that that god is with you in this and that there is goodness here Sid, 
And I mean, you can go as far or as shallow as you want with this question, but what led you to begin to receive spiritual direction? Largely that, that I needed a safe space where I could say some things out loud that I didn't feel like there was any, any, you know, I mean, I had, I had friends who were happy to listen to me and were happy to, you know, do life with me. But even in a friendship, there's always that reciprocation, right? There's that, I don't want to just talk about me the whole time. Um, and I don't want to just call you up and be like, Hey, I really need to talk at you for two hours. Like, (laughs) would you just listen to me for two hours? Because then you automatically feel the burden of like, well, to be a good friend, I need to be able to do that for you now. So now what do you need to talk about? How can I care for you? Um, and so there's that, that I felt like I needed to be able to have some conversations and to ask some questions and to wonder about some things without the need for the, to feel like. I had to reciprocate that kind of care. And then also just to be able to ask those questions with someone who was outside of my church context, outside of my friendships, because I wanted to be able to ask some things and talk about some things without the other person completely freaking out. You know, of like, if it's a good friend and you're really starting to talk about some things you're doubting about your connection with God or about your relationship with God, your friend is going to be like, oh no, like what's going on? Or, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you're my friend and and I care about you and I don't want to see you have to go through this. And so, you know, what about that? And so there's that. And then there's, you know, when you're, when you're pastoring a community and you're saying, you know, your questions, like, I just don't even know how to hear from God right now. I feel like I'm not hearing. And then they're like, well, what are you preaching your sermons about? If you're not hearing anything from God, like, what's that all about? So I think, um, that's what originally led me to spiritual direction was just wanting to, to be in a place where someone was really going to be able to care for me without feeling threatened or undone by anything that I said. Mm, mm, um, and good. just wanting to grow, just knowing that there was more in my life with God and knowing that like when you read, you know, all these like, like, uh, Teresa of Avila, like reading her writings is like, I know there's so much more. I know there's more and I want that. And I don't know how to go after that. I don't know how to get any further than where I am. And I think that like, you know, one of the other lies I think we can believe is like, I can control my spiritual life. Like if I just do the right things then <laughs> things will get, you know, deeper or I'll get stronger, I'll grow. And, and of course there are things we can do to, to, to make ourselves more open and available to God's work in our lives. But I think one of the, one of the things that I benefited so much from was, putting myself before someone else and just saying like, I want to grow with God. What are you hearing me say? What are, what are you hearing from God? And what are you help me talk to God right now? Cause I don't even know how to talk with him right now. And mm-hmm. um, it was just really encouraging to me to have that space. And after knowing how much that space meant to me, um, it was just, it just felt like the next step for me to be able to, to say, I want to be able to offer that to other people yeah, that's and great. to be able to offer it in a way that's, I think the fact that it is actually formalized is really helpful because then that that person knows that there's no need to reciprocate. And I think that's the big deal mm. yeah. is I don't have to somehow pay you back for this, or I don't have to somehow ask you the same kinds of questions. It, it can, you can just receive. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. 
Yeah, for for those of us uh, listeners and pastors who are still saying, okay, in theory, Sid, this sounds interesting. This sounds great. You know, maybe they're having still a harder time grasping this. Uh, I want to ask you about some of the common questions you ask. But I think so. As we think about that, one of one of the ways that somebody described the differences between, like, let's say, counseling and coaching versus spiritual direction, they said we uh, counseling you major in your past to try to make sense of your present. Uh, coaching is you major sort of in your present to make sense of the future, um, but that spiritual direction is like present be present now, like major in the present to see where God is with you in the present, <laughs> which will have implications for the future, but it's about becoming, not about doing. It's about being right now than in the future. But um, what are some common questions? I know there's not a, it's not formulaic, but what are the questions you find you're asking most regularly with pastors who are in a spiritual direction session? Uh, I would say a common one is when someone is expressing something that's going on in their life, even just asking the simple question of, and what is your experience of God in that? Mm. Um, you know, and sometimes the answer is what, <laughs> I, what do you mean? Just saying, well, as you think about that situation, what it feels like to be in that situation, do you like, what is your sense for how God is experiencing that? What is, what is your sense for how he experiences that with you? Or how do you experience his, his posture toward you? Um, because even for people to discover of like, oh, I didn't even think God would even care about this. And then, well, what if he did? And if he did care about it, what kind of, what do you think, how do you think he would be feeling about it or how do you think his posture towards you might be and and then that can sometimes reveal a lot of our understanding of who God is like well I think he's really frustrated with me or I think he's really mad at me and huh I like I wonder I wonder I wonder if we could even ask him about that you know or just I mean just so trying to just open up space to really understand how am I seeing God and how is how I'm seeing God affecting how I'm looking at myself and my life and my present situation. And so that's a really common question that I ask a lot is um, what is your experience of God in that? Um, and then depending on where the person is at in their willingness to believe that God wants to interact with them. A lot of times I'll say, I wonder what God might want to offer you in that space. Or I wonder what he wants to give you there. Or what I wonder what he wants you to receive from him. Um, and just sort of exploring that together. There's a lot of quiet, um, you know, taking time to just sort of listen and pay attention to the thoughts that are coming to mind. I also ask a lot of what does that feel like in your body right now as you talk about that? Oh, say more about that. Uh, well, we forget that we're embodied people, right? And um, I think we try to press on through life and hurry through life and we miss the things our body tells us. And so, um, you know, even just saying, what do you, where do you feel that in your body? Um, first of all, puts you into your right brain instead of your left brain, because it puts you into your embodied experience. And then just noticing, well, I feel a lot of tightness in my chest and then just saying, okay, well, what if you put your hands on your chest right there and, you know, just sort of on that tightness and let's just pray for, you know, for God to enter into that space and give you any insight on maybe what that tightness is all about and, and then sometimes things come up from the past and sometimes things 
come up, you know, so it's not like there's never any past or any future. Um, but if something comes up or, you know, have you ever experienced a feeling like that before can sometimes be, yeah, I feel that way when I get, you know, last time when I was having an argument with my husband, I felt that, Mm. huh? Well, what might be similar about that situation and this situation? And, and what do you think that emotion is learning to name emotions? And then how can we invite God into that? How, you know, and then once you feeling that emotion or feeling that thing in your body, what's your experience of God as you feel that in your body? Um, so I know some, this is going to sound really wacky to some people. And I know that mm. I realize that, but at the mm. same time, it's like, we are whole people. We were created yeah. to be whole people. And when we ignore our bodies, our bodies can give us so many cues as to what's going on. We don't know yeah. we're anxious unless we know what our body, how our body responds to anxiety. And you'd be like, Oh, I have that. I have that tightness in my chest. I usually feel that when I'm anxious, what am I anxious about right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. In fact, there's a pastor in, uh, in Denver named Steve Cuss, and he wrote a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And he has a podcast, and he always asks all of his guests, he said, when anxiety happens for you in leadership or in ministry, he said, normally it's in one of three places, a, a spinning mind, a racing heart, or a tightening gut. And then he always asks the guests, so which, where, does, where does anxiety signal to you first? It's all three, but where do you feel it first that know, ooh, maybe I'm being anxious right now? And I think that's a lot of what you're saying too, that we are integrated people, love God with all of our, our mind, our soul, our strength, uh, and our heart. I mean, all those are together. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That's fascinating. You bring that into the, into the spiritual direction questions toolbox. Well, yeah, because it's part of being present Right. And it's part of being where you actually are and allowing God to meet you in that space where you actually are. Even to realize how it's so interesting, because I think one of the misconceptions that I've heard people mention with spiritual direction is like, well, I just don't need to like spend all this time in the spiritual place. But to realize that it is integrated is hugely freeing, opposed to it just being like this, you know, I just sit quietly with a candle and, you know, two hours later, all my problems are solved. And, you know, it's just mentally, there's all these things that have worked out. But I find that really helpful. And so even realizing too, with, with people who are, you know, kind of thinking about jumping into spiritual direction, or maybe this conversation is really important to them as they're, this is like the tipping point. Um, Sid, I know you offer spiritual direction and like, can you tell us a little bit about, about that? And, you know, I mean, if someone wants spiritual direction, how do they get in contact with you? What would that look like? Are there other places that people can go to find it? Um, Yeah, Yeah, there's actually, um, I mean, there is like nationwide networks of spiritual directors and we can put those in your show links too. But I mean, you can find spiritual directors you have to be careful because there are spiritual directors and all sorts of spiritual ideas. Um, but there is an evangelical a network of spiritual directors. So you can find someone in your local area. Um, or if, I mean, if anybody wants to do spiritual direction with me, I would love to do that. And Kairos Partnerships is now offering spiritual direction. I do offer that through Kairos. So um, you can find that on the website, I believe. <laughs> I'm not actually sure how that all works. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of spiritual directors out there 
And I would say if you're going to work with a spiritual director, I'd encourage anybody to try maybe two or three different people um, because there is personalities involved and, and you might really click with a spiritual director and you might really not. And just because you don't click with a spiritual director doesn't mean that spiritual direction wouldn't be a good thing. Um, it just means maybe it'd be a good thing with somebody else. So um, there are, you know, I would, that's what I did when I was looking for a new director. When I moved to, to Grand Rapids, I went and saw three different people and I, I liked the first one. I was like, Oh, I think I could really work with her. And then I went to the second one was like, Oh, I feel an even deeper connection with this one. And then I went to the third one. I was like, Oh my goodness, she's the one. <laughs> so, you know, I think it, it's helpful to see how different people do spiritual direction. And I think, um, people have a little bit a different take. It depends on how they've been trained and, um, and yeah, different people, there's chemistry. So I think finding someone you have chemistry with can, can be something that takes a couple, a couple tries. Mm, yeah. Well, just as we begin to land the plane in this conversation, what, is there anything that as pastors and leaders are listening and maybe considering spiritual direction, is there anything you haven't said that you just want to challenge them or encourage them with or remind them of as it relates to this conversation? Yeah. So I just want to challenge every pastor out there to be, is there somebody in your life who is asking you about your spiritual life? Mm. Mm. Um, because there's gotta be somebody because I think that, you know, we're busy. We feel like we, we can't afford the time. We feel like we can't afford, like, or if you're going to do spiritual direction and maybe there's money involved, I can't afford it. Like those kinds of things, I think, block us from just recognizing how essential it is that there is someone caring for our souls. And so if you're not part of some kind of network, or if you don't have other people in your life who are really going to be intentional about asking you, um, about your own spiritual life. And if you don't have a place where you feel safe to ask the questions that might embarrass you or might make you look less than in somebody's eyes, I would just really, I just think it's so important for pastors to know that somebody is sitting with them in the presence of God. Um, it's just, I mean, we all know the stories of what happens to pastors when they don't have somebody who's really caring for them. Um, but you can only give away what you've been given and, you know, you can't, you can't offer to your community what you haven't received. And so I just would really want to encourage every pastor out there to make sure that they have a space where they're receiving soul care in some way, shape or form. Mm, that's wise. That is so wise. We're so grateful for your time. We're grateful for your friendship. And I just love that you're you're such a gifted leader and pastor and spiritual director. Yeah. And uh, so grateful to have you even a part of the Kairos team as a spiritual director. And uh, yeah, incredibly grateful for this time. So thanks for being with us, Sid. Yeah, you bet. What a great conversation with Sid. Um, again, some of you pastors are and leaders are listening, thinking, man, that sounds like something that I really need to enter into. And for those of you that are, uh, we'll have some resources in the show notes that we would love for you to take a look at. 
But I think what really struck me and what stuck out to me throughout this entire conversation is just for us as pastors and leaders to have people that are checking in to see how we're doing, uh, how our soul is, how our life with God is, and to have safe places where you can go through some of the difficulties and the hard things and feel like you're being heard and you're being seen and that someone is helping you notice God at work in the midst of even that stuff is just so important. And so we're really glad that you all have um, joined in with us again. And we would love to ask just a few quick things. Number one, uh, please share this with other pastors. Uh, The feedback we continue to receive from pastors and not just pastors, but leaders is how important that this has been. And so we really want to see the Monday morning pastor community grow. And again, we would appreciate you. uh, We'd appreciate if you could leave us a review and share this podcast with other pastors and kingdom leaders uh, within your circles. And so we're really excited for the next few weeks. We have some great guests and we're looking forward to continuing the conversation on Monday morning. So pastors, may you enter into the space knowing that you are not alone. May you enter into this week knowing that God is with you. And may you enter this week knowing that even in the hard places and the hard spaces of life and ministry, that there is a God who loves you, who sees you, and who cares deeply about you as a person, not just what you do. 